Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro. And we are veering away from carp fishing for this one. We've got an exceptional guest in today. He has just joined our team. He is a matchman extraordinaire and also he's a very, very good mate of mine. I've known him a long time. Obviously, we're both only 21 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Nick Speed. Speedy. Speedy by name, Speedy by nature. How are we? Oh, good, mate. Thanks uh, for letting me be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm different. I'm really liking the fashion statement of your earphone at the moment as well. Something different, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a a regular thing or do you just like your ear out? I think it's a trait in life, isn't it? I've always got to be something a little bit different than the norm. (laughs) We could have saved some money and only had a a one can earphone. That's right. Uh, mate, look, let's get on to fishing. Uh, we always start these podcasts talking about where you're fishing and what you're doing. So where are you fishing and what are you doing at the moment? Yeah, it's quite interesting that. I mean, um, at this moment in time, I'm getting everything ready for the World Championships in preparation for that. And this is the transition part of the year where from the summertime on the uh, rivers and the canals, I've spent a lot of time on the, let's call them natural waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, qualified for the River Fest final, absolutely loved that. And then, as the back end of the summer started coming towards us, I've then had to change my match fishing. Um, just been over to Spain for the uh, Iberian Masters Freestyle Feeder Festival in preparation for the World Championships because it's on the same venue. And so, literally, now we're in that little gap between coming back from there, having a really good idea of what we're doing and getting everything prepared now for what we know we need for the World Championships, which is on the same venue. It's on the Riola River yep. and Fortellini, two different stretches, same river, different environment, different terrain, a little bit wider on one particular stretch than the other. Um, and we go over in a couple of weeks for that. So that's yeah, it, big really. Big time, isn't it? Big yeah, time. Yeah, big time. I mean, really looking forward to it. So, like I said, a bit of a transition period where also now we've got the... Goldenrod qualifiers coming up when we get back from Spain I'll be travelling all over the country trying to qualify for the Goldenrod final uh, winter leagues feeder leagues that I run at Lindome Lakes uh, feeder league at Hawcroft so there's so much it's going busy, on it's busy isn't it so the match world on. is a busy world mm. you know in, in the cart world we we generally either tend to concentrate on a syndicate or alternatively we'll be bouncing around a little bit depending on time. But you guys in the, in the match world, you're out all the time. How often are you fishing? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, I'm a professional angler, so I'm actually on the bank. Professional angler. Doesn't that sound good? Well, I'm a professional angler. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's but, ace. Yeah, but it has a stigma attached to it. Um, and I'd say I'm on the bank fishing four five times a week yep but actually match fishing i actually fish more matches in the winter than i do in the summer right why is that because from a marketing point of view i'm on the bank promoting products more in the summertime Mm. because it's relative for the market so doing content creation uh tech talks um you know so really really busy during the summertime and then everything calms down a little bit in the winter and it gives me that opportunity to really concentrate on my own fishing 
um, my own goals and aspirations. It, it, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm in a similar position to you as well, and, and you've said a word that I use a lot of the time, and people pull me up on it. It's like, what do you mean by your own fishing? You know, fishing is fishing to a lot of people, but actually when you work in the industry, your own fishing is very different to your commercial fishing, effectively, isn't it? That's right. And it, um, let's say, for example, an average week, I might be fishing... Uh, three or four different venues completely different river uh, lake braid fishing on a reservoir next day going river fishing uh, obviously doing content creation videos to obviously promote products and everything else that comes along with it whether it be bait tackle and both Um, then you've got to get back in the evening rearrange all your tackle for a completely different division of, of fishing that takes time tie hooks there's a lot of prep goes into and this, this is world, the thing. isn't there? This is the thing. It's not, um, I am prepared, but also it's the swapping of everything around and just fine-tuning and doing the bait preparation and then mentally thinking about where you're going, mentally preparing yourself for what you m- might need to take with you. You're fully equipped. You want If you're going to go fishing, from my perspective, I want to do it right. Yeah. So I want to be completely organised that when I'm on that bank side, I'm at ease with myself, I'm at peace with myself, knowing that I've got everything to hand that I may need, from the bait to the tackle. And that takes up a lot of time off the bank, more so than it does on the bank. Um, Well, it's horrible, isn't it, when you go fishing and you've forgotten something or you haven't got the right piece of kit. And, you know, the amount of competitions you fish as well, the margin for error is even tighter that's you know, right you, you gears in and out the van all the time you've got to make sure that it's always on the on the button really. that's right so then you take into consideration what we just spoke about days on the bank doing a multitude of different fishing from natural waters rivers lakes to your commercials and then match day now yeah so then you've got to get back in the evening get your bait prep tie your hooks swap your gear around back again re re-spool your reels reload your rods reset your rods up um, and then that is that to me I'm a mentalist other people uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd nearly agree with that <laughs> he's mental I don't know I'm a mentalist definitely um, a mentalist I like that time to think about what I'm doing I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real thinker yeah um, and in a way to me that saves me a lot of time on the day so I'm one of these that I, my match doesn't begin until I've drawn my peg yeah but if I've done that thinking before of what I need, what bait I need, how I might be approaching it. I always go fishing, go fishing with an open mind in matches, one hundred percent. Because the beauty about fishing is, and you can, I think it's a very good saying that you could, you never fish the same peg twice. Mm. You could fish the same peg ten days on the bounce, and every single day would be different Slightly because different. of the elements you have to contend with. Mm. So you have to have an open mind. However, there's the footprint of that information that you've always got to have and I like to think about that an awful lot so that gives me that time to get to my peg and sit down and relax and knowing that there's no big rush you know Mm. and and that's my biggest thing so yeah massive amount of involvement with fishing but not necessarily not necessarily match fishing yeah and that's why I love it I love that versatility Uh, I mean isn't it a great sport what we're in it's absolutely awesome isn't it I I yeah. It's just getting better I for me. I love it. Absolutely it, love it. it it's, I, I've, I've gone through, as, I suppose as we get older, we, we, we 
carry on our journey and a lot of people I've, I've had this disagreement with a number of people that they think angling is a linear journey and i think it's a cyclical journey that it doesn't matter where you get on it you can go round and round in it so one minute you know i i do quite enjoy competing uh, competing so i like match fishing albeit carp match fishing but i like match fishing i'm coming to the end of my competitive streak at the moment It'll come back. It's come back before. It's disappeared. It's come back again. But now I'm really enjoying my own pleasure fishing. Sometimes it's social fishing that I'm really into. And I'm I, I'm so looking forward to this winter going predator fishing and in particular running a stick float and catching some chub. So, you know, I, I think we can pigeonhole ourselves a little bit. You know, you think in your world, in a match angling world, we think you're carp anglers, you're match anglers, you're predator anglers, whatever. Actually, within the match angling sphere, you can be a commercial match angler. You can be a big money competition angler. You can be an international competition angler. There's loads of sort of micro disciplines within our discipline. And the level that everybody's getting to now, if you want to be at the top of the tree, you've got to be very good at those things. I mean, you, can't, right. you can't just flip in between no. unless you are exceptionally talented. Yeah. Or very well backed. Yeah, and um, you've hit the nail on the head earlier that oh, I don't think there's a lot of people out there. Uh, what I mean is, I love my fish in every area, but actually, I actually enjoy doing features. I enjoy mm. doing videos because it's that diversity, it's that versatility, it's that breath of fresh air, going somewhere different. So, for example, oh, uh, let's go on the river and do a barble video. Or let's go on the river, go dace fishing. You know, you get your box down in the water, you get all your tackle set up, you're sat there on a beautiful stretch of the river, just for an example, a river. Yeah. And you really don't know what's going to happen. Now, that to me is what fishing is about. And I love competing. I'm a very competitive angler, but I love fishing. I love it in general. I love being there on my own. Yeah. To the point where I didn't do a lot of it last winter. Hopefully, I'll, I'll make more time for it this year. And that's a word, making time for mm. it. Uh, barbel fishing. Um, I could go to Fiskerton, Barnsley District Water, not get a bite, but actually sit there in that anticipation of waiting for that one bite. Yes. From dusk, from dawn till dusk, knowing it could go any second. That's what I love about fishing. And I could walk away not having a bite, but still enjoy the day because, I don't know, I enjoy the aura Yes. around fishing yeah. everything that's in it around you i've got i've got a little river that's not too far from me and it's very well populated with chub and the chub average pound and a half to four pounds so if i said an average if i was going to catch one it's going to be between two and a half and three you know there's some mm. smaller ones there's some big ones normally it's between two and a half and three pound they love the bread feeder and there's two pegs on this this particular stretch that are my special places and two hours at the end of the day sometimes is is all it needs and it's just it's such an incredible place to be you know when you are just completely at peace mm. that you've had a tough day or you i don't know if you're like me but sometimes i need a fishing fix if i haven't been able to go for whatever reason i've got to have that fishing fix and i get into one of my little special pegs and it, it nothing matters when you're there it's mm. just such a peaceful tranquil place to be and a lot of the time the tip will rattle sometimes it goes all the way around sometimes it doesn't go all the way around and most of the time it'll be two and a half to three pound and it's lovely mm, you know bearing in mind where we've been and what we've done a small fish on a small river sometimes is all it takes yeah but let's take the footprint from that that i think um being an angler enjoying what we've just discussed 
I think that comes out in your character as well. Mm. It makes you more at ease with yourself, calmer, more relaxed. Uh, enjoy every day for what it is. You know, we don't know how long we're going to be here for. Mm. Yeah. Enjoy the present time. And that's what you do when you're fishing. You enjoy that moment. And what you, you advocated so strongly about is everything disappears out of your head. Doesn't matter what's going on. And I think we all need that. We but it doesn't that. all the time, though, Nick, We all need fishing. that medicine. It, does it, there's, there's only certain types of fishing that do that to me. There's other ones where perhaps I put too much pressure on myself that I want to catch or if there's a camera there. And it must be the same in a match with you. You can't get that piece when you're sitting on a box no, it's competing. different. It's very true. Very different. So, you know, it is, it is, but it's a different kind of pressure that the world's your oyster when you're pleasure fishing. Yeah. You know, but... When you're in a match, the clock is ticking. That's all it boils down to. The clock is ticking. That's all that's going in in your head. Do you know when you have a good match, um, and it'd be interesting to see if the disciplines are different. When I've had a good match, it's it's almost a relief. I don't think brilliant. I think thank God that that everything I thought was going to work right. has worked. That's right. So I'm relieved that my plan has worked. I'm not elated that I've won. I'm just chuffed that, that what I thought would work has worked. And then at the other end of the scale, if you don't have such a good one, you beat yourself up terribly about how you could have done better, where you went wrong, why you didn't catch as many as you should have done. Um, you know, you're out every week. I'm only out monthly doing these things, maybe even quarterly. You know, the, the, I only get the chance to fish European and international matches now. So, as a result, the, the the frequency of my matches is a lot less than yours. So, you've got the opportunity of getting back in the saddle tomorrow and doing another one, whereas I haven't. And I, I, I find the intensity of these matches sometimes can be really, really draining. Yeah, but also match fishing uh, is about making the most of that time. You know, it's, it's having all those pieces of the jigsaw and being a good match angler is trying to be have some continuity behind your plan, your yep. swim management, your strategy, where those pieces of that jigsaw are always slotting in together. You talk but, about swim management a lot. I'm going to come in there now because this is really interesting for, for the listeners and the viewers that are, that, that are obviously listening and watching this. So what do you mean by swim management? Because, you know, people think when they draw a peg, it's just a case of sticking some bait out and catching some fish. I know that's, that's taking it down to a very, very basic level, but I know very well that you think on a completely different level as do all of the top match anglers to a lot of other people. It's not just a case of going through a routine. Yeah, good question. Um, okay, let's let's break it down. We're human beings, you know, we're targeting fish, you know. So the best way of understanding watercraft, bankside management, swim management, is thinking what a fish would do. You know, and the best way of looking at it is everything in relation to nature that surrounds us backs away from human movement you know uh, but actually the longer you're there the quieter you sat there the stiller you are mm. nature gets used to you it gets it, it, it accepts you to a certain degree to the point where sometimes it invites nature and that is the progression of calmness i suppose and stillness you know and and that is from an angler's point of view what happens that if you're organised, you have if you have bankside management, you've got everything to hand. You're not up and down off your box all the time. You're not making bankside mm. movement, and I think that's a big, big thing. A lot of people relate um, spooking fish to 
shadowing people walking behind you but i you know the water table runs through the land the ground is very soft and i'm a massive believer in vibration so i want if you ever watch me fish my tackle actually my, my swim management looks like a hand grenade's gone off regarding i'm not the tidiest of anglers but i've got everything to hand so the last thing i want to be doing is getting off my box yeah i want to be as still as possible so swim management is about thinking right everyone's drawn the peg they get to the match and and this is one thing i've always strongly believed in and i believe over the years it's won me a lot a lot of matches especially in the winter months when mm. the clarity of the water is higher the fish are more spooky they shoal up more i've always believed that i want to be the last angler on the bank so you can imagine there's 30 or 40 in a match you all draw your peg and everyone that's it the, yeah. the draws on there everyone's excited they get in the cars and they race to the peg I'm still in the cafe having a breakfast and mm. sitting down because I want the masses to make that noise. Now, let's break it down. Where the fish back off to? Space and MPEGs. Why do MPEGs always catch fish? Because they've got the most space. So I want to try and create space. You know, I want to make my peg an MPEG mm. in theory. It might not be an MPEG on the day. Now, it might not help, but I believe it does. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion with fishing. And if I think by doing that, having that thought process is going to help my peg make it stronger, that's going to give me confidence. Yeah. That's going to help me with my swim management. So if that is the case, I could have more fish in front of me. And I honestly believe that's happened so many times. And one of a, a typical example was a Fishermania qualifier. Not forgetting every single peg in at Lindome Lakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I drew a peg that I didn't really fancy, and I thought the only chance of I've got of making this work is making that an M peg. And I drew the peg outside the cafe, every single peg in, and I got to my peg with 15 minutes to go, and my peg was absolutely solid with fish because it was the only spare yeah, peg only space. on the lake, yeah, yeah. and I won the match. <clears throat> and I, so that was a typical example. Um, so swim management is about you make loads of noise, the fish back off, so you actually use the right approach to actually go to where the fish are to a certain degree, but also prime other lines and make space for the fish to back off to where they're still in your swim, but you're not actually catching them. You know, the best way of looking at it is a fishing match isn't a race, it's a marathon. It doesn't mm. matter what you've caught at the start of the match, the first hour, the second hour, and so forth. It's what you weigh in at the end. And the yeah. amount of matches I've won with 15, 20 minutes remaining, where I might have caught 50, 60, 70% of my fish, mm. even in that last 20 minutes, you know, and I think it's a big thing having that mindset in match fishing. Why do you think that last hour is so important? You know, it's always the last hour, really. It's not always the last hour. That's wrong because there are times where you just sat. The latter stages. Yeah. You know, there's, there's there's times where you sat on a solid peg and, and, you know, first put in, under it goes thunk and that's it. It's game on. You're rolling all the way through. There's going to be ebb and flow. But the majority of time, you know, on almost every match that I've seen, it is that last hour. Now, is that conditioning? Is it the fish like you say being accustomed to the fact that um there is less pressure you know a lot of the time it's down the edge and i think part of the time that, that or part of the reason why it's so good down the edge is actually people leave it 
so it's exactly what you say it's like oh yeah they come down the edge the last hour actually no they don't come down the ledge the edge of the last hour you catch them in the last hour because that's when you start fishing for them mm. but other than that you've explored the rest of your peg all over the place but down the edge nothing's being pulled through it you know you're not running your feeder over the top of it you're not shipping over the top of it it's left a lot of the time isn't yeah it? it's, it's all those elements we've discussed so uh, what you find is you're catching different strains of fish as the as the as the light drops as yeah. well so you're coming into that last hour a you've got the fish got accustomed to you yeah. so then they start coming close to you with confidence but also it's the time of the day where they know they come down the banking for one reason only and that is to feed they yeah. know it's the time of the day where bait gets thrown in that's why you catch a different strain of fish this is why your bigger carp in your commercials are big simply because they're clever they know when to feed and know when not to feed when to conserve energy your bigger carp are out there on the surface and if you don't catch them chucking a pellet waggler or mugging as you know a lot of us call it swinging a rig or just catching fish off the surface which is a, a killing method in the summertime mm. you know to the point where 80 percent of matches get one mugging fish in the heat of the summertime they're the fish that don't feed on anything else until they move at the same depth across the lake to feed down the margins in the same depth of water because easy pickings with minimal effort and that is why they're big fish mm. and they don't have to compete against other fish so a lot of it is the light dropping the time of the day confidence of build a fish building up but also when as soon as they start congregating to move down that edge if there's one or two, three or four metres out, wanting to come down and down that edge, but they haven't that got, got that confidence, as soon as two or three of their mates join them, yeah, that's it. Game on, competitive game, feeding. They want to feed, and it, it always comes back to ducks. Yeah. If you put some bread down next to your feet and there's one duck there, it will not have the nerve to come near you. But as soon as a few of his mates come, yeah. they're literally fighting for the bread right next to your feet, yeah. and you aren't even there then. Yeah, and that's yeah. how I relate to fishing to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's very, very true, isn't it? And it's proven time and time again, almost every single match yeah. in the country shows that that is the case. Yeah. Now, we're, we're on the cusp now. We're, we're, we're moving out of autumn into winter. By the time this goes out, it's going to be um, early, mid-November. Mm. So, you know, things are dropping a bit colder. How do your tactics change? What are you looking at now as, as to, you know, your winter league is starting now. What are you looking at doing? What are your tips for success? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what you've got to remember is the work, what, first thing we do as humans is we get up in the morning and think, bloody hell, it's freezing out there. Yeah. Get your thermals on, right, winter mode now. Be frugal with your feeding. But what are the actual fish thinking? You know, especially when it comes to this transition period where from the water temperature being 13, 14, 15 degrees, now it's dropping to 9, 8, 7 and lower. When you get to that period where we are now, where it's 9, 8, 7, that's a trigger for the fish to feed. That is their only chance while the metabolism and the, uh, the metabolism is working where they can actually digest the food, gain body mass, ready for the winter. And when you look at commercial weights, this is the time of the year where actually the weights are they have so much consistency to them they're not massive weights they're not hundreds and hundreds of pounds but the venues fish better mm. simply because they can't know it's that trigger point where they need to get weight on before the frost come as soon as that water temperature gets to six five degrees yeah. the metabolism completely so my frame of mind is exactly that that i might be fishing a two-hour match i might have five hours I catch what I can in the first three hours, but I know I need to create a trigger point. I need to create 
I need to flick that switch in that last two hours and up the feed, make more noise, get fish competing, when all of a sudden it's that time of the day where the fish feed confidently, almost as if you're sat there in the middle of summertime. Mm. And how often is it you go fishing at this time of the year, you've got your coat on, you've got everything on at the start, and then as the day progresses, it gets warmer and warmer. And by the end of the day, you're sat there in a T-shirt mm. or in a jumper in November, possibly December, thinking, I can't believe how warm it is today. So what are the fish thinking? So you always have to have an open mind. The best way I look at my fishing is never go to a match with a preconceived view, but always go with an open mind. And a match is an hourly match to me, not a five-hour match. You could be changing your approach. I could might make a decision, right, I'm going to do this. And after five minutes of me doing it, I think, no, it's not right. I need to do this because the weather has dictated that decision. You know, so I'm a massive believer in following the weather and especially at this fragile time of the year. Mm. So always have a go fishing with an open uh, view, but really do keep a close eye on the weather forecast and the feeling that you're getting on the day. You know, and air pressure as well. So that makes a, a massive difference Huge. in the winter. It, it, I think as carp anglers, we've we've latched on to air pressure a lot more, uh, perhaps than match anglers. You know, the, because it dictates where the carp are going to be up and down in the water. It dictates whether or not they're going to be in the deeper water or the shallower water. Whether or not they're going to be feeding heavily or not. Yep. You know, a, a big low pressure like the one that's just come through now, where he's coming through at the moment. Big low pressures and westerlies are, are, for for us carp anglers. They're absolutely fantastic. Everybody wants to get out. Whereas when it's high pressure, cold, big frost and everything, you know it's going to be picking time rather than feeding mm. time. Do you find the same on commercials? Yes, definitely. And um, you have to feel your way along. You know, you can't go guns blazing. Yeah. Um, and often the best way of looking at it, and it always comes back to the ducks, you know. A lot of people think they've got to set traps at the mm. start, you know. To me, I need to catch a fish. And if I catch... How many times has it happened? You could be sat there for 30, 40, 50 minutes in match on a commercial, for example. Not a bite. And as soon as you catch your first fish, you then get another bite and another bite because that fish triggers other fish into competing. So my main goal is to try and catch one fish at a time, not to draw hundreds of fish into my peg. And when you actually think about what's happening under the water where fish ball up because they feel safer because of the clarity of water then it allows you to really think that the fish don't need that much bait at the start and then they start spreading out then mm. as soon as the day like halfway through the session comes the fish starts spreading out so you have to feel your way along and i think that's the best way if you've got that frame of mind by feeling your way along um you'll learn more than I honestly believe that setting a trap, putting a load of bait out at the start, is a recipe for for failure. When when does your bait change? Because this time of year, what what we're doing as anglers is we're going away from uh, probably November time is about right as well. Going away from what I would class as heavy stodgy bait, so we're going off the boily, and we're going on to the lighter bait. Certainly maggots, chop worms. You know, autumn is a great time for chop worm and caster. Do you continue that through the winter or is that something that, that you move away from because of the presentation element of it? Because obviously, you know, you, you can cup it out, but you can't really pull it out. Yeah, good question. I mean, what you've got to think is when the water temperature is high, I think carp love crunching on bait, you know, hard pellets. But obviously the noise, the, the it, it's like an electric shock to them, isn't it? You know, that pellet hitting the surface 
Um, but then as soon as the water temperature drops, it becomes more soft bait, you know. So, for example, the, the, the feed league that I run on a Tuesday at Lindome, from weeks prior to it kicking off at uh, the back end of autumn, it's nearly all hard pellet fishing, yep. you know. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a soft bait venue where you're actually not feeding pellets, you're feeding sweet corn right, and ground okay. bait. But sweet corn's a big thing, mm. big thing in the winter where individual particles you want individual particles when the water clarity is high yeah you don't want to create that cloud which is what ground bait does you and that alone is more selective for the right species so f1s and carp which are the fish that win matches um and also it's a water-based bait therefore they can digest easier Mm -hmm. and it's a bait that is visible for them as you well know that carp have very poor eyesight Mm -hmm. they can visibly see it it, it draws more fish into your peg. They can digest it quicker, but also it's also relative to how we fish in the winter, where you might be fishing a little method feeder with a yellow washer or a pink washer. And generally, the hook bait that you're using is very relative to sweet corn, and it's more of a gentle way of building your peg up than sometimes pellets. Then too hard in the winter. Mm. And the fish initially come to that noise, but they can't eat the pellets in the amount what you think they can. Well, there's not as much attraction in a hard, dry pellet either. You know, with with when you're going smaller, if you're not like ones and twos or ground bait, then you can put a lot more liquid into those, which adds to that attraction yeah. too. Is it is that something you do? Do you use much liquids, or are you are you very much a, a, a bait and colour based yeah. angler? Yeah, that's the word. Mm. Um, not a liquid person. What I am a massive. I have been influenced massive over the years uh, whilst working with and for Dynamite, helping develop, let's say, for example, the Washers was yep. being educated on additives. Yep. You know, I mean, wow, that was like a, a real game changer for my mental approach. Mm. Um, and uh, Woosburg Reservoir was the testing grounds for Washers. Yeah. And it was literally like night and day, the additive that we were using on the washers when we were testing, when we wanted to find the right additive, was we'd be using a normal washer, might get a bite, right, let's get a bite, let's put one of these on. And literally, it was every single time... It's black and white, isn't it? We got a bite. And that was such an education for me from a match angler's point of view that I, you know, you always have this belief as a match angler that, yeah, additives... You know, it'll get you that extra fish or two fish. But on specific waters where you want to try and draw in or, as you well know, lower the pH level of the water around your bait, that on an open water venue is massive. And if you can do that with some continuity within your match plan, you're going to catch more fish, you're going to catch bigger fish. And that was so evident to see in my match results at Woolsborough that, yes, I was fishing a long way out with a method feeder, but what i was using within my pellets so for example complex tea yeah um was literally like unbelievable the difference it's phenomenal know? for skimmers complex mm. tea yeah that's right it's, that's it's, right it's, it's it's good for carp but if the skimmers in the water they beat the carp to it all the time it's it's there's i don't know what it is in it but there is something in it and they absolutely love, love it. it. You know, we, right. we, if if there's a lot of bream in the venue, you can't use complex tea as a carp angler because you know that you're just going to get breamed out on it well, all the time. It, it's it's well, incredible. It smells of bovril as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a you want to drink fantastic it. liquid. Yeah, oh, I yeah. don't know about that. 
<laughs> yeah, you can have a go at it. You'll eat anything you will, though, won't you? God, blimey. Um, well, well, look, we've, we've, we've talked about Lindholm. We've talked about Woodsboro. They're two very, very different venues. What do you prefer? Do you like your commercials? Do you like your naturals? Do you like your rivers? What if you? I know you do a bit of everything, but what would be your favourite? If you could go just for you, where would you go? Um... Oh, it'd be on a river every single time. Yeah. I just love it. What, I with lo- a lead or a float? Uh, with a feeder, I'd say. Yeah. I, I just love the, I don't know, you just don't know what you're going to hook, you know? And even something as small as a, a little chub or a, or a big dace or a little barbel, the fight, the power, the yeah. bite, the exhilaration, the excitement you get from just that one fish on a river... And also the environment that you're in is yeah. like, wow, you know, to me that is it. But I love all styles of fishing and that's why I enjoy my fishing so much that I really do like to mix it up. But to me now it's seasonal. Yeah. I like to spend a lot of time on the naturals in the summer yeah. and then in the winter, um, like the leagues that are at Lindome, which is hugely popular. And like what we were saying it's earlier. It's a brilliant venue, Lindome. You know, you can go in an open match. During yeah. the week at Lindome, 40, 50 anglers there. You're competing against some of the best anglers in the world. Mm. You know, where else can you fish an open match with three world champions in it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that So I like to mix my fishing up, but make it more seasonal. So naturals in the summer, uh, and obviously spend the, a bit of time qualify, trying to qualify for the big finals. Yeah. And then calm it down a bit, stay a little bit more local in the winter, but enjoy your fishing so much more. And fish at a great venue such as Lindome, where everybody goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, such I'll, a varied venue as well, Lindome. I, I, I love mm. the variation on it. That if you want a cart venue, it's a brilliant cart venue. Yeah, you know, if if you want a mix, that you look at um, Bonsai. Mm. I mean, Bonsai is a, a, a. I don't know if it still is now, but it used to be quite a mixed venue. You could be on F ones, you could be catching carp, you could be catching barbel. You know, there's all sorts in there. Yeah, it's, it, it and. It, I've fished Lindome for 20, 22 years now. Yeah. Um, and I never, ever get bored of it. Yeah. Because of exactly that. There's so much versatility to it. You know, and the lakes seem to change every year as well. The species that you target, nice. the size of the fish that you catch. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, this year, all of a sudden, some huge weights of big carp have been coming out from Bonsai when we honestly really? thought that there weren't that head of carping so yeah, yeah. this year in the festival i had 395 pound of big carp down the edge yeah and everyone was like eight to ten pound and you know i, I started catching the odd one but it was like every single chucking catching these big carp yeah. um that to me is a great venue you know and that is ad- advocates why lindome is such a popular venue and everyone loves going there yeah absolutely and some big perch in there as well and some mm, uh, not that i've i've never caught I've, I've, on the strip i know strip yeah. is the late to go isn't it but no uh, no 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 don't no 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 you don't go bonsai is the lake to go everybody should go there. <laughs> everybody go to bonsai don't go to strip <laughs> years back yes. in the winter league i did have some big perch really? in the strip yeah 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 and I, I think i had eight or nine perch over two pound but i've never caught one since well rumor has it there is there's been a five pounder caught right so which is a, you know that's yeah. a, that's a giant and it's always on commercials that the big perch thrive yeah, isn't phenomenal, it phenomenal isn't it you know mm-hmm. if if that fish is still around then that's you know that could mm-hmm. be a very very big fish yeah. but the the i think the thing with them it's a great perch venue 
Um, the problem is that there's so many carp in the in the place that actually it's quite difficult to them. get through. Mm, you know, you stick true. a prawn on, and the yeah, chances yeah. are a carp's going to have. I couldn't use prawn. I'd just eat them all. If I had prawns, you eat everything. If I had prawns <laughs> on my side tray, I could guarantee to you they'd be gone. Stick some maggots in with them. That'll stop you. Yeah. That's the way to do it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I used to have to do that with lunch meat when I was young. Honestly, yeah. When you used to barbell fish, I loved lunch meat and spam. Uh, and the only way that, that, you know, if you're there with a mate, you've got one tin between you and, you know, all of that. Uh, they used to stick maggots in the tin. So that stopped Brilliant. me eating the meat. Brilliant. So that's the way to do it. But uh, look, let's talk about England now because you, you've, you've got a big match coming up uh, and it is a big match. You've got a bit of experience on the venue. Uh, you've been selected to represent your country. It is the highest honour. Uh, it's a new discipline as well, this, the freestyle feeder. Yeah. Uh, just talk us through it. Tell us, tell us all about it. Tell us what it's like uh, to to be representing your country. Uh, you've been there before, of course, mm. but now the shirt is coming back on. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it's um, oh, it's a new event, Freestyle Feeder World Championships. So, for those of you who don't know it, basically, it is um, method feeder principle fishing. So, a pellet feeder, a hybrid feeder. Uh, a flatbed feeder you've got to use uh, the longest hook length you can use is 25 centimeters oh wow because it's no it's the other way around isn't That's it with right. the feeders normally it's, so 50 it's all max. relative to the principle of what a method feeder yes feeding pattern does um it sounds a lot more modern it's a lot more up to date than the old That's school right. feeder you know the, the 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 feeder discipline it's feeders yeah it's but a 50 I, centimeter I, I think it's relative to the market that we're in now as well yeah. that i think this is going to be really popular i think it's going to build to having a massive following and i believe along with many other people that it's going to be the most popular world championships in years to come if not this year uh, simply from everyone that's watching it can relate to it everyone within the match fraternity understands what a method feeder does yeah. and it actually is part of their armory as well yeah you know and they might see things that they can put to use in their fishing. Do I you, think that's really important. Do you not think that method feeders are a very English thing? They, they're becoming more widespread now. but oh, it's, it's, it's massively broad. But pr it was developed primarily for the commercial UK market. Oh, Andy Finlay, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Andy yeah. Finlay, you yeah. know, the god. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, he was the master. You know, he was yeah. the, you know, he's, he's the man when it comes to where it all come from, mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, what an angler. But... You look a you look abroad now. It is massive, you know, across Europe. You know, um, it's just the right way of presenting your bait to catch carp on the match scene, so to speak. So, this event is something new. It's a great idea, and of course, to get invited to represent the country is an honour, you know. But also, it suits me. You know, it suits who I am yes. as a, as an angler. It suits my style of fishing. It suits what I do, and it also suits how I've managed to get from being a, a, a full time sh a chef. You know, I've been a chef all my life and loved my work, loved my cooking, but worked really hard at my fishing in certain areas, which is commercial fishing, especially in commercial fishing. And not forgetting, I was brought up on naturals, but mm. took that route down the commercial side. But I'm very intricate you know so and i think a lot of this comes from a chef in i wanted to get the best out. i want to get the best out of everything in life you know um so 
how can I make my bait better? How can I prepare my bait prep better? How can I make it work better in the water? And the only way you figure these things out by is by experimenting and really thinking about it and testing. So I've made myself a, a, a name I would like to think from the, my method feeder fishing. Mm. You know, that's what's won me hundreds of matches over the years. And I've set in stone certain ways of doing things, certain products to use, certain ways of fishing a method feeder, certain feeding patterns, uh, certain inventions, you know, that I know have made a huge difference in my fishing hopefully the information that i've passed on has helped others catch fish you know and that's what it's all about as an ambassador if you get people that gain that information from you and they can put it to use and catch loads more fish that is what that's what we're there for that's what i honestly believe so now i'm representing my country going over there fishing at such a great event but i think the event itself is such a good idea simply because it ticks all the boxes for where we are now in this current climate. Also, the venue where we're at, we're on the Riola River. So it's south of Valencia on the east coast of Spain. Beautiful river, but actually two different rivers. The, the top half of the river is a lot wider and the lower half is a lot narrower, Fortellini. So one, one is 50 metres wide and the lower is 20, uh, 25 metres. But the fishing is just so exciting. Um, we've had a week over there practicing and fishing the festival and we all did really well caught loads of fish spent loads of time on the bank practicing figured so much out about how to fish the venue and I have fished it in previous years with Tommy in the Iberian Masters but that's Sips rules completely mm. different so you can't use pellets or other baits and shortest up length you can use is 50 centimetres for Sip rules yeah um so now we're actually fishing the same venue, but actually after two days, we're fishing a different venue. Yeah. A, because the fish change their feeding habits because of what we're doing, but also we're fishing a different approach. We're fishing it a different way. Um, so last time we went over, the time we spent on the bank was a massive learning curve, and we actually walked away from that week. I ended up third in the festival, but really walked away from that week thinking yeah i'm looking forward to getting back now and that's all you can do if you're confident you've got a feeling for the venue which we have we've now got to go and practice for three or four days and then we've got the world champs i can't wait for it i really can't amazing, but the what frame of mind is as a team we really do fancy it as regards to we're looking forward to the, the actual event let's see what happens awesome who's who's in the team tell us about the event then so is it two or three days five days. anglers in the team four anglers in the team four anglers in the yeah. team so it's slightly smaller than the other feeder champs yep. so it's four so who's in the team uh phil ringer yep the captain of course uh he's great phil really enjoyed spending time with him on the bank um great anglers we all know mm. um Phil Ringer, Wayne Bartholomew, Alex Doherty, and myself. Cool. And then Joe Jagger as uh, the extra person as well. Right. So, Excellent. Um, yeah, it's created a lot, a lot of interest, and and I think we bonded as a as a team. That every meet we had a meeting every night. Yep. Discussing how we'd caught and what changes we would make, etc., etc. So yeah, I think I think I'm really looking forward to the week over there it's going to be quite intense you know we're going to be fishing every day meetings yes. in the evening bait preparation tackle preparation but yeah i can't wait and nice weather as well yeah brilliant how many nations in it 
25. 25. That's yeah. a lot for a first event, season. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is a lot for a first well, event. Well, it isn't the actual first year. It's, uh, last year it was South Africa. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, but obviously because it's yeah. South Africa. Yeah, yeah, not so many people went. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't get as much so, publicity there. Um, so. You know, so this is the first, I believe this is the first year where it's at a venue where it gives other countries that opportunity to come along. And that's exactly yeah. what's happened. You know, 25 countries is brilliant. Fantastic. Well, mm. good luck with everything. I'm not going to ask you tactics or anything, but uh, hopefully we'll see you very soon because I think this goes out mid-November. Mm. When's the event? Uh, well, yeah, the, the week after it was 17th and 18th of November. 17th and 18th mm. of November. Yeah, so yeah, we will yeah. know very, very soon, mm. actually, by the time this is broadcast. Yeah, see what happens. yeah good luck with yeah, everything. Can't wait and, uh, for it. Yeah, uh, I, I say to all of my guys, and you know, you, you've, if you've been in the England team before, which you have, mm. then. Uh, you hear uh, at the beginning of the event all the all the nations are presented and you hear your national anthem and it's such a proud moment when you are standing up on that stage at the beginning of an event hearing your national anthem playing thinking this is it I'm representing my country and I, I would say that it's the second best feeling in the world and the one thing that's better than it is hearing the national anthem at the end hmm. because obviously it means that you've got a medal in as yeah, well hopefully yeah, yeah, a gold yeah. one so fingers well. crossed yeah good good luck with that and yeah. enjoy every moment you know it's um, it's nice to be a part of history but making history is even better so yeah, uh, yeah good luck um at this stage, normally we ask our guests to bring us a little present in. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, you can see we've got a fantastic wall with, with all of the guests, primarily carp guests, but we're going to be uh, we're going to be widening out people. We've got predator anglers coming up. We've got match anglers coming up. We've got all sorts of guests coming up, and we're starting to build a fine memorabilia wall. So mm -hmm. have you got something well, for I'll us? Definitely add so, to that. I'll definitely add to that collection, Rob. Fantastic. Tell yeah. us what it is. Oh, okay. And where is it? I can only tell you what one of them is. Oh, right. Okay. Um, you are going to show me what the other one is. So oh. first of all, I've got um, a lovely winter Shimano hat. Okay, fantastic. That's for us to put up there. Well, awesome. actually, we can put both of them up if you want. So that one goes there. Lovely. Like that. You can actually wear that in the winter. But I actually about this one. I had to think about you. Oh right! Oh, now you this is very nice because normally it's only yeah. one thing well, for the wall, yeah, but this yeah, is wrapped, yeah, isn't a, it? I, hey, listen, I'm a thought, I'm a thoughtful person. So you do a lot of travelling, yeah. Okay, so I had to think about it. So I've got you this now. This is the agreement, all right? You're going to open this, right? You've got to put it on, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And now, I'm a bit worried already. Just put it on, and you'll see what I mean. It's not latex, is it? No, it's not latex. Oh, that's all right then. Right. But I've actually covered what it is. Oh, no, open it okay. up first. Well, I will say that actually on the day that this podcast goes out, it is actually my birthday. Oh, right. So oh, happy uh, birthday. Yeah, so we'll treat this as yeah, a happy birthday. Yeah, Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. This is... Uh, this is how nice Mr. Speed exactly. is. Everybody else brings something in for the wall, and he brings something in for me. This is lovely. Yeah, you Although, I am a bit concerned as to what it is. I've wrapped it well. Right. Well, it's, is it, it is black. Right. Right. So it's a face mask. Oh. <laughs> right. So I want you to put it on. Right. Without taking the tape off. Right. So just open it up. Open it up. Yeah, yeah, open it up. Obviously, it's just stuck together a little bit. That's it. You know when you feel that you're being stitched up? No, you're not being stitched up, mate. Is it upside down? God, blimey, you've done this well. Oh, it's gorilla tape, isn't it? Right. Right, so put that on. Put that... Is there, a, is there an upside and a downside to it? 
Well, you can see the nose part. Right, the nose part. Hang on. Can, have, you got the, have you got the nose part? We got it oh. in? Right. So take, let, the, take let, the tape off. Let me put that on there. And I've got no idea what I'm letting myself in for. No, take here. the tape off. You might have to lean in and do this. I can't see the tape. Oh, Come and take the tape off. Here we go. What on earth is going on? Because, of course, you guys have got the benefit now that you can actually see. Oh, you got it upside down. Have I? Without looking at it. It was. It wasn't all side up, wasn't it? Right. Let's see. There we go. I still have not got a clue what's going on. Right. Do go. I need to do the rest of the podcast like this? No idea what it is. Can I have a look at it? Why, why do I think that everybody is laughing? <laughs> Where's my telephone? There you go. Right. <laughs> ah. Oh dear. Now, there are certain things in life that you should never do. And most of us know most of them, but trusting... <laughs> <laughs> trusting Nick Speed <laughs> is now <laughs> one of them <laughs> the mind boggles <laughs> it really does right I owe you one for that absolutely owe you one for that hey actually, listen right I tell you what that's quite good that though you did actually say to me just make sure you bring a present you it, know this is what we've had we've had some great presents but you know, it's going to be. This is a this is a family show. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? It could have been a lot worse. Knowing Speedy, it could have been an awful lot worse. Blimey! Right. Thank you very much. Hey, my I'll pleasure. Get you back for that. My pleasure. Um, so anyway, it's going to be quite nice to see a little bit more of you, Mr. Speed, because you're joining our team, aren't you? Ah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, like what you said at the start, I've known you a long time. I've known Smithy a long time, and had the pleasure of working for him for a long time and with him so yeah thanks for the opportunity i'm looking forward to it loads of things happening uh just great to get out on the bank all of us as a team and do some content absolutely you know we're, we're outlaw pro are very well known now in the uh, in the uk industry in the fishing industry we've been primarily a cart brand however we're stepping into other areas and we're coming in with a bang and uh, we've got some great ideas mm. uh coming forward some quite fun things as well i'm looking forward to speedy's challenge yeah and, well. and getting you out yeah. uh, we're giving the game away a little bit but uh, nick's going to be joining us he's going to be giving loads of tips about what to do how to improve your match fishing. We're going to be out live with him in competition sometimes, just having a look at what goes on inside that mind of his over there. Do you which, really um, want to know? Yeah. <laughs> having, having seen this, sometimes I think we're probably better not knowing. But uh, yes, anyway, there's going to be lots coming up uh, and, and no doubt hopefully at some stage we'll fish together too, although I'm not bringing that. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's next then? After the World Championships, you've got Speedy's Bomb and Feeder League coming up, or the Shimano Bomb and Feeder League, haven't you? Yeah, um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I can't get that vision out of my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's on a Tuesday. Yeah. And then we've also got the Hawcroft Feeder League on a Wednesday. Yep. So, two great events in the 
during the week in the winter, throughout the whole of the winter. You've won the Bomb and Feeder League before, haven't you? Have I've you? won it two years on the bounce. My, my aim last year was to win it, so I've got won it th- three years running. Yeah, yeah. But I had a terrible winter last winter. Just one of them winters where the fishing was a bit peggy, but also my drawing arm was absolutely horrific. <sighs> uh, but still enjoyed it, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. And that literally runs throughout the whole of the winter, but also the Golden Rod qualifiers as well, trying to qualify for the Golden Rod. I think it's a great event. It's very popular in the winter. Well, you've won that as well, haven't you? Yeah, I won that year before last. Um, and like what we were discussing earlier, feeder fishing now is so popular during the winter. Yes. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're hard-working angler now. He can... Going to a, a match during the week, minimal prep, yeah, yeah. all the rods set up, and compete. You know, and I think that's why feeder fishing is so popular, uh, particularly in the winter again uh, as well, because it is. I'm not going to say it's peggy, but you're not always going to get runaway winners. You know, you're not going to get 300 pound weights, are no, you? And if right. you if you're sort of semi sensible, you can normally catch a few. And this is the thing, like when we were talking about swim management. You can be in a lot of the time in these feeder matches and at Lindome, people think, you know, can't compete at Lindome as regards to big weights. But yeah. 90% of the time, you might not be catching anything until the last two hours. And then all of a sudden and you get a run in. of fish. That's right. But you're not fishing for a big weight. And you could be sat on any peg with two hours to go thinking, I can still win this match. Yeah, and that's what makes it so inviting. Well, and that consistency across the whole of the year as well. You know, there's what is it? It's eight rounds, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Eight, and you drop on. Uh, it's uh, in the feeder league. It's eleven this year. Uh, drop three. Right, so count, eight counts. So yeah. count eight. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah, a great so. event. Great yeah, event. really, it'd, it'd be lovely to have something like that a little bit closer because it'd be great just to be able to go out and do something like that in a day. Yeah, and to the point where Smithy enjoys, Ian Smith Absolutely. enjoys going up there and fishing the odd match and you can turn up and fish it as an open as well. So you, you don't know. have to do the whole league? No, then. no, no. You can I reckon just... we should come up and have a crack. Yeah, 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 so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, how, yeah. Many, how many pegs is it then? 40 to 50 spread oh, oh obviously because in the winter the lakes the venue's not as busy Aaron yeah. allows us to have four lakes right okay so loads of lakes and loads of space you know yeah, so it's yeah. not like sardines in a tin everyone's got loads of space to do what they want to do when it comes to feeder fishing awesome and uh, like what's the difference between Hallcroft and Lindholm because they're both effectively similar leagues aren't they they're both feeder leagues yes so do you transfer your tactics from one to the other or are they two very very different <sighs> yeah, two very different uh, Hawcroft is uh, a lot more patient and all about timing so right. Hawcroft a lot of the time if you're not on the fish on the yeah. carp in the hot pegs you might if you're lucky catch one or two carp at the start yeah you might catch one or two carp at the end, and in the middle of the match, you might have to fish for skimmers. Right, okay. So your match plan is very different. Yeah, so you yeah. might have a feeder for chucking across to the far bank at the start, or bomb and bread down the middle if it's a really cold morning. Yeah. And then setting up a conventional feeder with pinkies and ground bait and just getting bites in the middle right. of the match. Because yeah, it's a fair bit of variation there, isn't there? Yeah, what we do at, Hawk, at Lindome is we uh, it's on weight. You yeah. know, so your combined weight over the eight matches is what wins you the league. You yeah. know, the biggest weight, which is good. 
whereas at Hawcroft, it's on section points. Right. So you might be in a poor area of the lake yeah, that's yeah. not fishing brilliant. It might not all be on carp, so you, you've got to try and win your sections. Is there a preference for you as a competitor? Do you prefer overall weight, or do you...? Uh, I think at Hawcroft, I think doing it on points is fairer because you're limited to where the carp feed yeah, yeah. on the lake. So if you don't draw that specific area, yeah. then you could still... You've had it. Uh, you've had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, basically. Whereas at Lindome because it's quite an even venue because of the fish that are in the lakes as regards to F1s. A lot of F1s, what I believe, trigger other fish into feeding because there are species that feed throughout the whole of the winter regardless of the water temperature. I think it's quite a fair format. Do you run Benny's as well for that then? That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Your, your favourite late, you had a match on there, uh, didn't you? Yeah, cool, I was in pain for about three days after that. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we did a TV <laughs> programme for a charity match and... Um, I, I thought, you know what, I'll have a crack at that because Loco is a little bit of me chucking out uh, either a method feeder or a, I was going to teabag it and I thought it'd be brilliant, you know, teabagging on Loco, I think that'll be all right. And I've gone and drawn Benny's, which was fishing shallow with slop for F1s, having never had a pole before and never held a pole before. That was 15 metres. It was hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It was hard work. You did work, well, though. Did 130 odd pound, didn't you? Uh, th- 137, I think. Yeah, it was. yeah, I've got yeah, a good memory. 137, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You had 300 odd, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great day. I remember man. thinking, come, I did, but I didn't come last. No, you did brilliant. I think, well, it was hey, 100, 150 in it. I think it come 30-something. Yeah, you didn't draw great. You drew in that so. corner, but, yeah, it was. It made you realise how much hard work it is, though, you know, as regards oh, to... Like I say, I was aching at that. Muscle memory is the word, isn't uh, it? Look, a 12-metre pole's long, mm. isn't it? A 15-metre pole is really long, and, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's hard work, especially mm. when you're not used to them. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. But you, you're talking about swim management earlier. One of the things that I now know that I didn't at the time was I was sitting on Alex Doherty's box. He's a little bit taller than me. So I spent more or less the whole on match my on my toes. That's right. And that made a huge difference just with cramping the feet and, yeah, yeah. and, and the side as well. If I could have put my heels down, mm-hmm. I think I'd have been a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just tiny little things like yeah, that yeah, that you yeah. don't notice. But mm-hmm. that, that box being an inch lower mm-hmm. would have made my match so much more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, not that it would have made any difference to the weight, oh, but it know. just would have been a lot more comfortable. No, you did brilliant so, considering getting chucked in in the deep end. Here's a pole, here's a seat box, here's a match. Yeah. Well, we were coming to film everyone else doing oh, it, not competing it. So, uh, it. But yeah, brilliant, yeah, yeah. brilliant fun. Yeah. Carp anglers, if you're watching it, if you get the chance, then do have a go. You know, it's it's a day out and it yeah, is yeah. great, great yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, really, yeah, yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, look, we, we're more or less up for time now before we disappear i would like you to give me or more to the point all the viewers and listeners three top tips for winning matches through the course of the winter so if you're entering either winter leagues or silvers matches or whatever what are the three most important things that come to the forefront of your mind to help people win matches uh right okay so bait choice always bait choice number one keep your bait choice simple but logical for the venue that you're on so without a doubt in the winter months bread and corn always start your match in the winter with a clean approach actually trying to catch the fish that are in front of you before feeding them and that obviously obviously what that does is that helps you read how many fish are in front of you as well Uh, you could be on a peg where you could actually end up fishing bomb and bread all day 
catch a load of carp but if you would have fed your peg at the start you wouldn't have caught, caught those carp because they'd have moved away from the bait so always start with a frugal approach so bomb and bread bomb and corn and and help the let's say on a rod and line situation help the liners the indications tell you as an angler what fish are in front of you and by fishing solitary baits that's a, such a good guideline to work from so bread sweet corn and pellets are the three main baits in the winter to select the fish that help you win matches that's what it's about it's about catching the fish that win your matches which is carp f1s and bream mm. so pellets bread and corn are the only two but you know three baits also keep an eye on the weather the weather really does dictate how you're going to catch so i could be on a peg one day it's flat calm bright sunny high air pressure that's where solitary baits really do work mm. however the following day it could be overcast and windy might have a little bit of warmth to it that's where they want some bait so one day it could be bomb and bread and bomb and corn the next day it could be the same peg i'm actually fishing now a little method feeder because it's got the fish moving they're on the hunt for some food you then need to create what we call as a focal point a reason for the fish to home in on your hook bait apart from it bait on its own so always keep an eye on the weather and that really does help you um make those key decisions the third bit of advice is it's not a race it's a marathon doesn't matter what you've got to start always look at winter fishing as a one or a one and a half or maybe even a two hour match if you're on a better peg the last two hours is absolutely crucial so never lose patience stay cool calm and collected and trust me 80 percent of your match wins will come from the last two hours of the match fantastic well, great words of advice, and you know what? I think I might be tempted to come up to Lindholm at some stage this uh, <laughs> this winter and have a go. Let's uh, let's see if we can take him on at his own game, yeah. uh, as long as I draw loco uh, and, and not Benny's or bonsai, um, folks. That is it. Wise words of wisdom from our guest this week we hope you've enjoyed it there is plenty more coming up at the outcast podcast there's plenty more coming up from mr speed we're going to be seeing him an awful lot more uh, both in studio and also on our screens as well so do the normal thing like follow click all of the things that you need to click across social media tell your mates this is the place to be the outcast podcast and better still come down and see us at one of the outlaw pro stores whether it's in kent at tadley or the head office here at billericay from me in the hot seat i'm going to say thank you ever so much for listening and i'll see you again next time Thanks for listening to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.